Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Charles. Enjoy. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 75 of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, it's your host, Charles. Today, we've got a really special one for you. So I'm going to be sitting down with Andreas Antonopoulos. He's one of the most well-known and respected people in the industry. If you've heard of Bitcoin, you've probably heard of Andreas. He's written six books. He's working on his seventh. He's been a speaker at multiple conferences, and he is at the forefront of adoption for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. I've been looking forward to this episode for a while, and it is finally here. But before we get into it, I just want to give a special shout out to my sponsors. That's right, sponsors, plural. We are doing it big. We've picked up a second sponsor. The first one, as you guys know, is Roundly X. Huge shout out to them. You guys know what they are. You can link your credit and debit cards. And every time that you make a purchase, they round up that transaction and invest it in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So for example, if you buy a pack of gum for $1.50, they'll round it up 50 cents to $2 and take that 50 cents and invest it for you. It's kind of like the Acorns for crypto, if you know what Acorns is. Uh, There's a link in the description below. If you haven't already signed up, I don't know what you're doing. You need to go do that now. Get your debit and credit cards signed up. Start dollar cost averaging into Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies today. Second sponsor which I'm very, very excited to announce, is CoinFlex. They're a newer exchange. They're actually the first physically delivered crypto futures exchange. Very exciting stuff. Uh, They've got some of the lowest, potentially the lowest fees, depending on how you get set up in the entire industry. And what I'm really stoked on is they've got these bracket order competitions coming up. Bracket order is this type of order that they have Nobody else is doing it, and they're going to be giving away $10,000 a day to the winners of these competitions. So there's a link in the description below. Go sign up, check out the exchange, get ready for these competitions. There's going to be a lot of money made, very low amount to enter. I think it's between five and like eight or nine hundred bucks. So go sign up today, get ready for that. Now let's get into the show. So, Andreas, before we really jump into it, do you think you could just give us a little background on yourself, what you were doing before you found Bitcoin, and then a little bit of your crypto resume, because you have a pretty extensive resume, and I just want my audience to kind of get an understanding of who you are, what you've done, that sort of thing. I'm Andreas Antonopoulos. I'm a computer scientist by training who specialized in distributed systems and information security. In 2012, I found out about Bitcoin and uh, it caught my attention in such a big way. I dropped everything else and got involved full time in that space. Um, I started working on as many projects as I could, reading, writing, coding. And about a year later, I started writing my first book, Mastering Bitcoin, which is probably the reason most people in the space know me. And um, I started uh, 
presenting talks at conferences and producing videos to try to explain Bitcoin technology to the world and what I thought were the social, political, economic impacts of this technology. Um, in uh, in the years that followed, I, I put out um, five more books, uh, including the second edition of Mastering Bitcoin, um, Mastering Ethereum. Uh, both of those are technical textbooks on how the technology works. And uh, as well as a series of books called the Internet of Money series, which are collections of my talks that are for non-technical audience and explain why this technology matters and why Bitcoin and open blockchains will have a significant impact on the world and what I think that impact is. So putting it in the context of socio-political economic um, context and uh I'm now working on my, well, I guess my seventh book, um, which is Mastering the Lightning Network, which is a technical book on how the Lightning Network works with uh, uh, two co-authors, Rene Picard and Alalo Stocken. And um, that's that's where we are. I, I work full-time in the space. I run a number of uh, companies that have an educational mission. My goal is to provide education in as many languages as possible across the world to as many people as possible about Bitcoin and open blockchains. And it is it is extensive. And, you know, I just want to thank you for taking the time to come on and speak with me. I know my audience is going to love it. Um, so you got involved in 2012 and you've just done a number of things. You've written six books. You're working on the seventh. Um, some of it's the technical side, some of it's the socio-political side. You've spoken at conferences, you've created videos, you know, it's just so extensive. You're one of the most well-known people in the space, um, especially on Twitter. Oh, thank I think, you. I, yeah, I think everybody knows you on Twitter, and I think it's it's a hub for, you know, cryptocurrency information, Bitcoin information. So you, you've kind of covered a wide variety of things Uh you you mentioned towards the end there, you know, you have an educational mission. Um, is that what you're most passionate about? Or is there something else in this in this industry that you are uh, most passionate about? Yeah, so what I'm most passionate about is the potential that this technology has uh, to open up access to finance and ultimately uh, the trust networks that can be used to rebuild many of the institutions of civil society to be more scalable and more appropriate to a networked um, and global population. And I encompass that in a slogan uh, where I say that uh, this technology is about the other six billion. You know, effectively, about a billion and a half people in this world have access to sophisticated financial um services and financial instruments, liquidity, investment opportunities, and the ability to move money comfortably anywhere in the world they want in any currency they want. And then there's the other 6 billion who do not have uh, any of those things in many cases. Uh, some are completely unbanked. Uh, some are underbanked. Some can operate only in one currency or have very limited investment opportunities. And to me, the opportunity of converting money into a protocol by building these networks of trust means that we can um, create a world in which economic inclusion is the default 
where access to finance is an option that is available to everyone, everywhere, anytime uh, through a variety of devices without barriers, without vetting, without authorization by some um, central authority. And, you know, money and finance that truly transcends borders, transcends nation states, and is a universal human right. I think that's the future that excites me. And in order to achieve that future, there's this really elegant technology, which excites me personally because I'm a geek and, and I love elegant technology. And so bringing together my technology passion with my uh, political worldview and desire to see uh, a better future is, is this uh, amazing inflection in time, this historical moment that happens um, exactly 11 years ago. Today is the 11th birthday, January 3rd, 2009. Um, today, January 3rd, 2020. Um, and, you know, um, from that perspective, education is a means to an end. And and the end is is to build this um, this future. Uh, and in order to build this future, we have to help people understand what is not only a complex technology, but also a major change in the way money works um, and a departure from this uh, relatively short-term period in history when uh, money became an instrument of the state and um, gradually has turned into a system of surveillance and control instead of a mechanism for commerce and for organizing societies. And effectively, by turning it into a protocol, we're returning it to its roots and making it peer-to-peer, -peer decentralized, uh, anonymous, bearer instrument that anyone can use. And that will give a lot of people freedom. And in order to get there, uh, we have to educate. And we have to educate in terms that are neutral, um, in terms that are simple to understand, um, and ultimately, not just in English. Uh, you know, a lot of my work now is about expanding the range of education into multiple languages and reaching countries where this technology is needed most. Truly, a, a truly beautiful vision. And I think you are at the forefront of this education and adoption. Uh, when I talk to a lot of people, I'm like, what are you most excited for? Uh, what what are you passionate about? A lot of them just say, you know, I want my bags to pump and I want to make as, as much money as possible. And you're here, you've got your kind of slogan, you know, the other six billion, and that's who you're focused on. And you talked about education, and that's probably the best way to spread adoption. Um, you have your books, and that, that is a, the great way, a great way to kind of educate other people. Uh, you have you know, it's been translated into many other languages because as you were saying, the other six billion, a lot of them are not native English speakers. Uh, it's mm -hmm. definitely not their first language. So I think you're doing a lot. What about for, let's say, you know, everyday average Joe, what can they do to help spread the adoption of this technology and get more people involved? Because I think you know, everyone has struggled with it, even just with family and friends. They've tried to explain Bitcoin. Uh, they've tried to explain other cryptocurrencies. And it's just been a complete failure and, and it kind of get gets brushed off. Uh, so do you have any kind of tips on how they can help? Uh, how can I help? How can, you know, all the other people of Twitter help? Because I feel like that's the only way that this is going to kind of get out to the masses. 
Um, so do you have any tips for, for, for us, I guess? Well, I think it's important to, to have patience and perspective. Um, this is a very, very long game and we need to be cognizant of that. This is, this is a major transformation, probably the fifth major transformation in money, um, over a, a period of, of more than 10,000 years. Uh, money has only really fundamentally changed five times. And so this fifth transformation of, of money is something that's going to take time. It's going to take a long time um, to, to really permeate society. I, I think it's inevitable uh, that we depart from the traditional forms of money we have today because they don't serve the needs of an interconnected world. But we have to be patient and we have to recognize that not everybody needs that today. Uh, in fact, to not need this technology is a sign of tremendous privilege. Uh, it shows that your democratic institutions work, your financial institutions mostly work. Um, your government isn't out to uh, uh, oppress you or um, um, control you as much as in other places. Uh, the banks in your area are not run by organized criminals outright. And uh, and so and your currency is stable. And so, you know, if that's this, the case, you, you don't necessarily need this technology today. Um, the types of applications that have emerged so far, because we're still in early stages, are, are really applications that that fit very well in areas where the traditional institutions of money have failed. And they serve people who who need this uh, as a means to escape broken systems. So if your system isn't broken, you don't need this. Now, it would be nice to maybe use this as a, a, a way to diversify investments or um, to uh, play around with an investment portfolio or maybe even just as an educational tool to get to know this new technology. But how much effort are people going to put in to doing that when they're dealing with a technology that is complex and difficult to understand and difficult to use and difficult to use securely. So what does the average Joe do? Well, um, what we can do is help in any way uh, using whatever skills each of us has to make the technology easier to use um, and more applicable to the needs of, of people. And, and that means, uh, among other things, reminding people that this is not about uh, a get-rich-quick scheme. You know, the, the fact of the matter is that a lot of people will be attracted to this space because they see it as an opportunity to make an easy buck. And, of course, there's no such thing as an easy buck. Um, the, the reason that uh, some investments in this space are tremendously lucrative is because they're tremendously risk risky. And for every one person who succeeds in these investments, a hundred people lose all of their money because they're doing things that are not, um, that are not rational. So encouraging people to think about this as a technology, as an opportunity for education and, uh, to remind people that this is this is not a get rich quick scheme, uh, and if you treat it like that, you're going to get burned. Um, and what the focus should be on 
is seeing how this technology can fit into your life so that you can be one of the early adopters that gains an educational advantage, a knowledge advantage. Um, and you know, if you can use that to diversify your investments a bit, um, that's certainly not a bad thing. So it can be a very good thing, but, uh, people have to be very careful how they treat this. So among other things, what we can do is, uh, apply whatever skills we have. If you're a graphic designer, um, help improve user interface, user experience. If you're, um, if you're in marketing or accounting or, uh, sales or operations, uh, customer service, whatever your profession is, um, maybe you can contribute directly to the industry, or maybe you can lead by example by using this technology within your own business or skill set and showing others how to do that. Uh, even as simple as attending one of your local meetups and helping to uh, teach newbies how to best approach this technology in a way that won't end up with them being harmed. So helping them avoid the scams, the, the various pitfalls, helping them learn how to take custody of their own keys so they can protect their funds if they do acquire some funds in the crypto space, um, teaching them how to avoid the kind of speculative gambling that, that wrecks a lot of people. Um, and, and being there as a welcoming guide, right? Uh, with no ulterior motive other than to, to help someone who used to be you a few years ago. And now that you've learned some things, you can pass that knowledge on. Yeah. I, I think, uh, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know how I can help. Uh, but the skills that a lot of people have from their everyday life outside of the cryptocurrency industry can very much be applied to what's going on in the industry like you were saying you know even from someone who has skills with um, graphic design they can get in help with the ui uh and and if people don't think that they have any skills uh like you were saying they can help the newbies because they were once those newbies uh so i think i think everybody has the opportunity to either help others you know on a person-to-person basis or they can further the industry as a whole by providing educational content to the masses, uh, using their skills from their day job or regular life and applying it to the industry. Um, but there was yeah, one, one. Sorry, go ahead. And and one other thing is is to be a good example. Um, be a good example through your own behavior. You know, we can all all act as an example, uh, both on what kind of behaviors to avoid but also what kind of behaviors to emphasize. So um, when people go to their local meetup or they interact with a community on, on Twitter or Reddit or one of these other online forums, and they're going to get an impression of what this community is about, what its principles are, what its, uh, what its moral compass is, um, what its behavior is like. And of course, the actions speak much louder than the words, but the words matter too. Um, so if if you are out there and engaging with people on this topic um you're an ambassador for the community you act as a representative of the community at all times meaning that people will draw conclusions about what kind of community this is based on your behavior so if you go out and and you're uh, screaming about lambos and to the moon and uh shilling various uh uh, coins and projects, uh, not doing any due diligence, not doing any vetting. That's the impression you're going to give of what this community is about. 
if you if you talk about and you distract from that and you talk about uh, the principles of financial empowerment and financial inclusion and financial privacy uh, and why these things matter uh, and you explain the framework of these principles and how they apply what decentralization is why it matters uh, what it gives people and and you um, present that perspective and um, then then you act as a as a counterweight if you like uh, to all of the screaming nonsense about Lambos and moons um, you know that's that's our personal responsibility each of us has to decide which which perspective we want to present uh, to the world yeah I think we've seen what kind of screaming Lambos and moon does uh, in 2017 I feel like everyone saw Bitcoin as that get rich quick scheme uh, and that's what caused that mass hysteria and that huge bubble um, and that huge run-up and then like you were saying a lot of people got burned because they were trying to get rich quick uh, and over the last you know year or two people have really started to educate others on the technology how important it is it's not this get rich quick scheme anymore uh, it's, you know, kind of a change in the financial system and it's slowly adoption has started to build. Uh, and I think that's a step in the right direction. I, I recently had on uh, John McAfee and when I asked him a similar question about how to spread adoption and what's the best best uh, way to go about it, he mentioned the fact that we should be talking about coins like Ethereum, privacy coins, stuff like that. Uh, and I, I, I kind of argued with him for a little bit, and I, I said that I think Bitcoin is still kind of the go-to uh, to get people's feet wet. Uh, what are your thoughts on this um, with regards to just you know Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies? Do you think there's any one that you should be introducing people to, or should it just be the technology as a whole? I, I'm not a maximalist, per se, and so... I often talk about a variety of technologies in this space, and I think there's something valuable to learn from a number of projects outside of Bitcoin. But when it comes to introducing people to the concepts of decentralization, um, I think that Bitcoin still offers the, the best uh, example uh, in the space. Um, Many of the the things that are being pursued by other cryptocurrencies and blockchains are more esoteric. They they apply to more narrow categories or narrow applications. Um, it's hard enough to try to understand a new formulation of network money without also adding smart contracts and uh, all kinds of new terminology on top of that. Uh, I think Bitcoin still is the gateway into this space. And... Um, it's easier to demonstrate many of the principles with with Bitcoin than any of the other chains. I, I do see value in in talking about what else exists and uh, giving people a, a glimpse that there is a broader um, ecosystem out there, uh, especially when it comes to things like um, privacy coins, which uh, you know I'm I'm a very big advocate of financial privacy. I think it's a human right. And um, there, there are some things that, that Bitcoin can't really do currently that privacy coins can do. Um, and therefore, that might also be uh, a useful introduction. But, uh, 
you know, for the most part, the 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 one of the problems that happens is that um, it's very difficult to pick uh, worthy projects out there um, without ending up sending people on a wild goose hunt of um, you know digging the bottom of the barrel in altcoins because uh, then they start getting introduced to all of these um, scams and pyramid schemes and uh, pump and dump schemes and it's it's the the whole get rich quick thing is much much worse outside of bitcoin than it is in bitcoin so um you know i i would probably give a glimpse that these other things exist but at the same time make it clear that the many many of the other projects are 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 not really that serious and that in terms of um uh, projects that really encompass these principles of decentralization, Bitcoin is fairly unique. Uh, it's the one that had the chance to have this kind of virgin birth uh, in a in a field that wasn't occupied um, by other noise, and um, and where those principles of decentralization still apply. Uh, you know, nowadays that's harder. Um, things were easier when you could just say, "And this is Bitcoin." Um, now people are going to come back and, and say, well, I heard about this other Bitcoin and there's these three other Bitcoins, which one's the real Bitcoin. You can get into a bit of a mess there. Uh, but, but still I start with Bitcoin. I, uh, I have a very similar mindset. Uh, that's kind of what I argued with them. I was like, you know, Bitcoin is still by far and away the best example. I think it's easy for people to understand and explain, especially people who are in the industry. Uh, because I think that's how most people got introduced. They do the research on it, then they start exploring other options. Uh, so I think you and I have very similar mindsets there. Going back to what we had talked about earlier, you had mentioned that this is a very long-term game and that people need patience, and it takes you know decades, if not centuries, to take uh, to change you know financial systems as a whole. But I do like to ask my guests, all of my guests, this. Uh, and it is, what are you most excited for in the coming 12 months? So do you have anything big in your pipeline that's coming up? Uh, is your book, newest book, going to be ready by then? Do you have any timeline for that? Uh, yeah, so uh, three weeks ago, I published uh, The Internet of Money, Volume 3, which is a, a collection of my most recent talks. I've, I've published three of those uh, so far. And um, I'm now beginning for real to work on mastering the lightning network it's due for publication in the fourth quarter of 2020 so don't have a specific date in mind uh aiming to get it done before the holidays so just about a year um and that's being developed online in a collaborative way in an open way you can actually watch the book being written um on github github.com slash book um, and that's that's most of what I'm going to be focusing on for the next four months uh, is writing that book. Um, but, you know, of course, the, the work never stops. So uh, there, there's going to be a lot more happening besides uh, the book. A, a big effort uh, that's happening right now is continuing to work on um, foreign language translations. So... Um, the books that I've published so far have been translated uh, into a total of 14 languages. And um, the videos on my YouTube channel uh, now have uh, subtitles in 
31 languages. Um, that's the, the total number of subtitles. I think the, the most translated video has 19 different languages. Um, and all of them have English subtitles, which is a great way to get started because you get the accurate transcript. Um, and then about half of the videos, because there's about 480 videos on my YouTube channel now, about half of them now have um, Spanish uh, subtitles. And Spanish is a very, very big uh, initiative within my companies to get uh, as much of this content uh, out in Spanish language and to uh, engage with the community. Um, Central America and South America are huge hotspots uh, for activity in the crypto space because they combine um, tremendous need uh, due to political and economic instability, as well as um, highly literate, numerate, uh, and well-educated populations that can adopt this technology and they have the necessary infrastructure, uh, meaning internet connectivity, uh, data services over cellular and things like that. Um, a lot easier to do in South America than it is in other places where the need is equal, but the infrastructure and education levels are lacking where literacy is a problem. So Southeast Asia, India, um, Sub-Saharan Africa, it gets much more difficult because of lack of infrastructure. Um, and uh, whereas in South America, that's not as much of a problem. It sounds like a very busy year for you. I know a lot of people are kind of getting their resolution set up and planning their year out. Uh, you've got the book that's coming out, hopefully fourth quarter. Um, and then just practicing what you preach by kind of getting as many foreign language translations out there as possible to get this to the people that really do need it. So, you know, people in South America being one of the many who need it. But like you were saying, they have access to it uh, in a much easier form than in other parts of the world. Um, so I'm looking forward to everything that you've got. 480 videos. You're an inspiration to me. I create content. I'm trying to work my way up there myself. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on for this one. It's another one that I get to add to the list. Um, so thank you for coming on. I'm very much looking forward to what you have for the next, you know, 12 months or so. Before we go, um, you know, I, I like I mentioned, I think Twitter is a kind of hub for a lot of people who are still interested and invested in the cryptocurrency scene. Um, and it seems like, you know, interest has died lately. You know, I, I see a lot of people have capitulated. They're not talking about cryptocurrencies anymore. They're not even showing up on Twitter. Um, so do you have any tips for those people who are kind of on the verge of giving up? They're, you know, about ready to throw in the towel and give up on cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin as a whole. Um, and then a second kind of part to that question is do you have any resources that people can check out other than you know your books and your youtube channel because i think that's a great place to start but is there anything else that they can check out to kind of spark that passion again uh, and get them more involved and interested um so the the way to overcome kind of the disillusionment phase that, that happens with these uh, volatile markets is to refocus on the technology and the education around the technology. Because those things do not go up and down in price. And 
I think a lot of people find themselves in the bear market wondering why they're involved in this space. And the answer, uh, the correct answer should be um, because this is an important and necessary tool for humanity and we should all be striving to, to build a better world with this. And if you remember that that's the answer, and if you remind yourself that that's the answer, then there's a lot that you can do in a bear market. In fact, there's more you can do in a bear market than in a bull market. In a bull market, my work gets drowned out by the bullshit. Um, and in a bear market, I really get an opportunity to dig in and work on education initiatives. And everybody can do that. If you're feeling disillusioned, one of the first things I think to do is to... Um, visit with one of your local communities. I think it's imp important to foster a uh, community with people who are in the same space as you, uh, person to person, face to face. Um, find your local meetup, club, um, go and either attend or help with organization. Um, maybe if you've learned something useful, uh, try to present a seminar, prepare a seminar to help other people, uh, a little workshop. It doesn't have to be fancy, and it can be in a very informal and friendly way. Hey, I have a hardware wallet, and I learned how to use it. Let me let me show you how a hardware wallet works. Uh, there's always people who know a lot less than you do and will benefit tremendously from learning something new. Um, you can um, go to these community meetups and... Um, and get that sense of community and ask other people, so why did you get involved? How long have you been in? What projects are you working on? You're going to find that there's a lot of people out there that are working on interesting projects in your area. Um, beyond that, there's a lot of interesting things happening um, in the technology space. If you follow uh, the developments that are happening by tuning your keywords, and your search criteria and who you follow and your Twitter lists or other social media lists to follow people who are providing educational content and filter out the noise. Um, the New Year's is a great opportunity to do some cleaning. Uh, and one of the areas where we all desperately need a bit of a cleanup is our social media. So go through your social media and look at the people who you're following right now. Look at what they're posting. If you find people who are overwhelmingly negative at all times, who are angry and nitpicking and attacking and trolling and posting inane comments, well, stop following them. It's really, really simple. You don't need that kind of noise in your life. Um, your mood will, will reflect the kind of messages that you follow. So um, find the people who give you optimism, find the people who uh, teach you something, who make you think, who um, don't get involved in the drama, who don't get into drag out fights with people, who don't keep picking fights um, and follow them and gradually clean up your social media feeds so that you increase the amount of optimism um, and uh, the amount of education and decrease the amount of noise and vitriol. Uh, that's going to be quite a healthy exercise, I think, for everyone. I, I do it on a regular basis. Um, and um, by selectively tuning my feed so that I can 
also have uh, fun things to read about. You don't want to just read about crypto. I mean, that's that's not a that's not a whole individual perspective, right? You can't you can't build a picture of the world if you're too focused on on one topic. Uh, so um, try to expand what you follow and um, find people who are doing interesting things, positive things in a variety of um, of domains outside of of crypto. And uh, yeah, you'll you'll find that uh, a lot of the negativity that you feel and a lot of the pessimism that you feel is really fake. It's not the real world. It's it's just a reflection of a small bubble that we put ourselves in. Um, and then we think that the whole world is thinking that, quite frankly, the vast majority of people out there don't even know what crypto is, certainly don't care about the price. Um, and um, not only do they not share some of our optimism and vision, they also don't share any of our pessimism and <laughs> despair over the stupid price of crypto. Um, and so if you expand your view, you're going to find that people are getting on with their lives and doing interesting things. Um, so that's my, that's my advice. Get out there in the real world, focus on education, focus on technology, um, and cut aggressively cut out of your lives and especially your social media lives. The kind of people who, um, are relentlessly focused only on price, only on pessimism and only on fighting with others for no reason whatsoever. These are all beautiful tips. Uh, I'm a little bit worried because sometimes I add to the noise and bullshit of Twitter because I just like to have fun on there. It's usually jokes. Well, there's, there's your New Year's resolution, my friend. <laughs> um, the, the thing is that what you put out uh, does come back in, in terms of the replies. And if you engage in, uh, for just for the laughs, um, kind of piling on the drama. Uh, the problem is that that will allow more drama to come into your life. And and it, while it's fun in the short term, it's not very healthy um, in the long term. So you can uh, you can do that for your own personal mental health is uh, as a new year resolution, don't engage in the drama. I, I find it very hard. I, I do work on it. You know, I, we all do. I, yeah, I feel like I I try to balance it out with this podcast. I try to put out in educational info. Uh, it's funny. I just did an episode recently and I just put it out. It was on kind of breaking the uh, addiction to social media and the cryptocurrency industry and the price. Uh, so I'm trying my best to kind of put out positive information that will help the community. Uh, but sometimes I just can't help myself on Twitter and it, mm -hmm. it's a little bit too fun to just, you know, add to the drama, post memes, go for a laugh, that kind of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I do really appreciate you bringing that one up because I think it's super important. And also the fact that you just want people to kind of take a step back. Uh, I, I've told my audience this a lot. I think we're all hyper-focused on the cryptocurrency industry, whether that's price, uh, the technology, where things are kind of headed, and we lose sight of you know the rest of the world. Uh, so take a step back, guys. Uh, I really appreciate that you have... Um, kind of taking the time to talk to my audience and educate my audience. Uh, one last thing I did want to mention, I am in Southern California. If any of my audience is listening uh, and they're looking for a meetup in Southern California, I know a couple great people putting on meetups. 
my DMs are always open. If you're looking to get more involved in the community and find like-minded individuals in your area, shoot me a DM. I can get it set up. I know people in LA, Orange County, San Diego, pretty much up and down the coast of Southern California. Uh, so if you're looking for that, again, shoot me a DM. Uh, Andreas, I really appreciate you taking the time and coming on. Is there anything else that you want my audience to know before we go? No, I think that's it. Um, just a, one last thing would be uh, all of my work is available under open source licenses. It's all available for free. Uh, you can download um, all of my videos, uh, which are also the subject of my books, the Internet of Money series. You can download the source codes uh, for my books. Um, those are all released under open source licenses, which means that you can translate, derive, replay, mashup, uh, share, all for free, uh, commercially or non-commercially, and um, and uh, you know enjoy that. Uh, my work is supported by uh, community donations and contributions. If you like what I'm doing, uh, and if you want to help me uh, extend my mostly my staff nowadays because I'm trying to get more leverage, um, you can help me by supporting me on Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash Antonov. Perfect. I will have a link to your Patreon as well as your Twitter. So everyone, I really encourage you guys to check out his one Twitter, his Patreon. Support him. Andreas is doing so much for the industry. Uh, and I think that all the support from us really does help him uh, kind of push adoption and push education. So thank you so much again for coming on. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. All right. That wraps up another episode. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I just want to take a quick second to remind you to leave us a review and subscribe to the show. We would greatly appreciate it if you did. And we look forward to seeing you next episode.